Welcome back to another episode of Suiting Up Varsity, a podcast dedicated to the sound of the band, the smell of popcorn, the feel of an old letter jacket, the sight of teenagers hoisting trophies high above their heads, and most of all, to the grand history and fantastic stories of Nebraska prep sports. Join us as we look back in time at the great moments from a century plus of Nebraska high school athletics. Our search for the greatest athlete in the history of each Nebraska high school travels back to the southeastern corner of the state, just north of where we started this tour. That first county was Richardson, in the very lower right-hand corner of the map. This week, we slide upstream on the Missouri River to Nemaha County. Nemaha is even smaller than our county last week, Dixon. At just over 400 square miles, Nemaha ranks 87th out of the 93 Nebraska counties. I guess that means it's no surprise that our high school list is a bit shorter. We'll be talking through the history of just seven schools in this episode, and only two of them are still open. Let's start right along the Missouri River in the southeast part of the county, just up Highway 67 from Richardson County. There we find the town of Nemaha and the Nemaha High School Indians, who wore green and gold. Now, let's make sure we're straight here. We're not talking about the Nemaha Valley Cardinals, who wore red and black. That was a consolidated school in Johnson County, and was a consolidation of the districts of Cook, Burr, Talmadge, and Lorton. Nemaha High School in Nemaha County closed in 1966, and became a part of Southeast Nebraska Consolidated in Richardson County. Now that I've cleaned that up in my brain, if not yours, let's get to Nemaha High history. <laughs> the best Nemaha High team comes out of the World War II era, 1943. That year, Nemaha finished second, tied for second in the Class D 11-man state football ratings. They played only four games that year. It wasn't uncommon for war-era schedules to have gaps, but that's pretty se severe, especially for a good team. On the field, they shut out Weeping Water, Adams, and Syracuse before playing Table Rock to a 26-26 tie. The Indians were robbed of a perfect season when Table Rock star Don Brown led the Tigers down the field with three quick passes in the last 40 seconds to salvage a tie and earn his team a share of the second spot in the state in Greg McBride's ratings with Nemaha. Davenport was the state champion. No All-Staters are recorded from that team because McBride didn't do teams by class during the war. Uh, so we'll have to look elsewhere for a GOAT. There are a couple candidates for the best Nemaha athlete on our track charts. Lauren Argabright medaled in the long jump in 1950, and Harold Keithley finished fifth in the pole vault the next year. The top Nemaha track athlete, though, is Alan Steers, who finished second in the Class D discus in 1952. I'm going to look earlier in the Nemaha timeline for my pick, though. Wendell Handley was selected small school all-state football by Greg McBride in 1939. After high school, Handley starred on the football field for Peru State during a strong era for the Bobcats. During the war years, Peru and Doan were both Navy training colleges and drew a lot of great athletes, some of whom had begun their careers at other, sometimes much larger, colleges. Their games against one another were highlights of the fall, and Handley was one of Peru's best. I choose Wendell Handley as the greatest Nemaha high school athlete of all time. 
The Nemaha River that gives the county its name runs northwest to southeast and joins the Missouri just south of Nemaha. For our next school, we'll move up upstream to the other corner of the county, to where the Nemaha passes just north of the town of Brock, where the Brock Pirates wore orange and black and competed until 1968 when they joined Johnson Brock. I list a couple of Pirate State track champions. A lad named McKnight won the Class D district in 1943. Three years later, Calvin Leslie won the 880 and the high jump while meddling in the mile and the discus. Leslie single-handedly took the Pirates to a fourth-place team finish in Class D. Brock's greatest team, though, was probably the 1957 six-man football team. The Pirates finished an 8-0 season for Coach Lorraine Kruger with a 46-0 win over Elmwood. The Talmadge Bulldogs were the only opponent who pressed the Pirates, losing only 14-6. Greg McBride and other Raiders chose another unbeaten team for the state championship, the Plymouth Pilgrims, and placed Brock at number two. Interestingly, as a sign of just how many small schools were operating in the area, those two teams only 66 miles apart not only didn't play, they didn't play any common opponents. The star of that 1957 team was consensus All-State back Bob Reimers, and he's my pick for the greatest Brock Pirate of all time. Brock on Highway 67 was the school that would become the Pirates' consolidation partner, Johnson High School. The Eagles had a strong football decade in the 1960s, beginning with the school's only top 10 finish in 1960, and including three All-Staters, Paul Dunnacracky in 1960, Dale Gruby in 1961, and Lee Roars in 1965. A strong greatest athlete candidate competed for Johnson a decade earlier. Willis Moorer won the Class D half-mile two years in a row in 1950 and 51. My pick for the greatest Johnson Eagle does come from the 1950s, but it's a different guy. Terry Brody was a discus medalist in the spring of 1957 after having earned All-State basketball honors in the winter. Brody's effort to return Johnson to the state tournament for the first time since the all-comers era in 1928 fell just short. The Eagles had advanced to the district final before falling to Verdon, a state top five team. Two-sport star Terry Brody is my pick for the greatest Johnson Eagle of all time. It seems like every county has at least one school whose history is murky at best. In Nemaha County, that school sat on what is now U.S. Highway 136, near a bridge over the Missouri River in Brownville. One of the most historic villages in the state, Daniel Freeman staked the first homesteading claim in Nebraska in Brownville in 1862. Brownville was the state's largest community in 1880, the biggest town in Nebraska, and was an important river port. But... Alternative routes for the new railroads were the town's undoing, and even by 1885, the county seat had moved on, relocating in Auburn. Of course, that means Brownsville's heyday occurred before high school sports really got going. Um, of course, there was a school. I can only confirm that they wore blue and white and competed in high school athletics during a very small window in time. I see them in basketball districts from 1946 to 1957 and no other years. And they weren't exactly a powerhouse. I, I didn't document every single one of those basketball tournaments, but every tournament I did check, Brownville lost in the first round. Not surprising, 
considering that I never saw a boys' enrollment number for the school that was bigger than nine. If during your entire athletic history you never had enough boys to stage a five-on-five scrimmage, you probably aren't going to end up doing very well. When the school's future was put to a vote in 1957, the community chose to keep the high school open. The final vote count was 33-32. to The Falls City paper reported those numbers, but also predicted that the vote wouldn't matter and wouldn't keep the school operating. It was right. 1957 was the last year of high school in Brownville. The elementary district existed until 2004, when it consolidated with Auburn. I have no idea who the greatest Brownville high athlete of all time was, but I guess I'll keep looking. Brownville, along the Big River, was another Nemaha County high school, Peru Prep. I don't know exactly how to categorize Peru Prep. It was a teacher preparation school for Peru State College, but unlike similar schools in Shadron, Kearney, and Wayne, it didn't operate parallel to a public high school. It was the only high school in town. I can't find any record of there being a Peru high school. It is confusing sometimes because the newspapers would interchangeably use Peru Prep or just Peru. It is evident, though, that it was always the school connected to the college that they were referring to. I'm not sure what that means about the school's public-private status. Was this situation official? Did a local school district participate in the college's administration of Peru Prep? Or was it just de facto? Did the local school district never run a high school because Peru Prep was there as an alternative? Either way, the Peru Prep Bob Kittens had a long athletic history. They were also one of the bigger Nemaha County schools, competing almost exclusively in Class C, even in the final year of the school, 1967, while most of the other historical high schools spent their, most of their time in Class D. The Purple and Gold appeared at 11 state basketball tournaments, four of them during the qualification era. Their greatest athletic accomplishment is probably the 1936 Class B basketball runner-up finish. The Bob Kittens defeated Oshkosh, West Point, and Polk before falling to Lincoln Bethany in the final. This was the first year of a three-class tournament in the qualification era, so Class B really met the middle-sized section of schools in the state. The Bobcats were led by All-Stater Roland Cowell, our first GOAT nominee. Peru Prep had a couple of good runs during the All-Comers Tournament era. In 1927, they beat Gehring, Hebron Academy, Newman Grove, and Lincoln Bethany to win the Class D bracket. In 1928, they were placed in the C bracket and beat Alliance, Wakefield, and Lexington before falling to Tilden in the title game. In 1923, they were placed in the Class B bracket quite an honor as is, and acquitted themselves well, defeating big schools Grand Island and Fremont to make a semi-final where they fell hard to Seward 11-1. The Bob Kitten's best football season, at first glance, looks to be in 1950, when the World Herald rated them fifth in the state. Upon further examination, though, that was really a function of one of Prep's rare dips into Class D enrollment. Greg McBride rated Class D 11-man football in the 1950s, but there were very often very few Class D basketball teams competing in 11-man football. Most of them were playing six-man. 
Peru Prep, like many teams placed in Class D but playing 11-man, was playing exclusively Class C schools. They were a very non-top 10, 1-8 on the year, with their only win being over Rockport, Missouri. Even Roland Brock's Class D All-State selection as a back that season seems to need an asterisk, since there were just very few teams and players for McBride to pick from. The Lincoln Papers did not bother to raid or pick All-Staters from Class D football in that era. Uh, probably a football player from the pre-All-State era, Charles Beck, deserves mention before Brock. Beck, a Peru lad, was a Nebraska football letterman in 1913. Our second glance says that the best Bobcat in football squad is obviously the 1947 top 10 team that lost only a close one to state, the state champion Wymore Zephyrs, 12-6. The Peru star that year was All-State back Junior Helms. McBride said he might have rated the Bobcatons higher in Class C if they had played more Nebraska teams. Peru Prep had a long history of state track success as well, winning 22 medals between 1930 and 1967. Harold Fisher was the first champion, winning the 220-yard low hurdles at the 1938 meet after finishing second the year before. A lad named Paul Ogg won the high jump in 1941 and finished second the next year. In 1946, Robert Applegate captured the Class C long jump crown. The last Peru Prep State medalist is my pick for greatest Bob Kitten, Dwayne Rains. Rains won the quarter mile in 1951, confirming his status as Peru's most decorated athlete as he added that medal to his Class C All-State football honors from the fall of 1950. Dwayne Rains is my pick for the greatest Peru Prep Bob Kitten of all time. Time for the two big schools of Nemaha County. The two schools that are still open for business. And man, have they been doing some athletic business in the last few years. Let's start with that consolidation of the Brock Pirates and the Johnson Eagles. This is a consolidation that really has the feel of a continuation of the Johnson High School story. I mean, the high school was placed there and the Johnson-Brock Eagles kept wearing crimson and white. In my heart, consolidations like this feel more like acquisitions. Johnson absorbed Brock and continued on, but consolidation politics are complicated, so we'll start Johnson-Brock's Johnson history in 1968. Johnson-Brock owns eight state championship trophies, four each on the boys' and girls' sides. The girls captured the first two, with a state uh, C2 basketball crown in 1986 and a 1993 C2 volleyball title. The 1986 champs were keyed by a pair of juniors, two-time All-State basketball pick Lisa Eden and two-time volleyball All-Stater Ricky Brody. The Eagles smashed through Grant and Humphrey before besting Wausau in the finals. The 1993 volleyball winners survived a tight opener with a three-set two-point win over Windside and then swept Deschler in the semis. The final was another nail-biter with Johnson-Brock slipping past Republican Valley 16-14 in the third set. Senior Jamie Hahn and junior Stacy Gattekin were the leaders and both earned a pair of All-State honors during their careers. The boys' basketball team swept to two straight D1 titles in 1997 and 1998. Before we get to them, though, we should mention the Eagles' first great team, 
1969 basketball squad in that very first year of consolidation. They won 20 straight games with 6 foot 9 inch center Lee Kors roaming the paint. The first, very first Eagles fell just short of state, dropping a 68-64 regional playoff to Hebron, they of the famous shirt sleeve jerseys. Coors was historian Jerry Mather's pick for the greatest Eagle athlete when he made his list in 1980. The 1997 and 1998 basketball champs bring a couple other na names into the conversation. Clint Swanson averaged 19 points a game for the Eagles when he was named All-State in 98, and Kurt Otterman scored at a 15-a-game pace in 99 when he was honored. Both played key roles in the back-to-back -back titles. The Eagles have a couple st track stars for the conversation. Cale Walken earned eight career state medals topped by the 2012 Class C long jump title. Mark Hoffman was the Class D 400-meter champ in 1983. On the girls' side, Tana Trail captured the Class D discus in 2003. There is no question, though, that it is the last five years that have been the golden age of Johnson Brock Athletics. The girls took three straight D1 volleyball titles in 15, 16, and 17, and the boys swept the 2018 eight-man two football title and the 2009 D2 basketball crown in the very same school year. The parade of volleyball All-Staters during that run included Emerson Kerbajal, Bryn Westerberg, and Michaela Dahm. But the unquestioned star was two-time All-Nebraska selection Fallon Studheit, who walked on for the powerhouse Cornhuskers and has recently announced her transfer to Nebraska Kearney to join the Lopers Division II national title chase. For the boys, the key cog has been basketball and football All-Stater Ty Hahn, who was the rare three-time All-Stater in both sports. He was also the Class D 200-meter champ in 2018 and has a couple other state track medals, despite being robbed of his senior track season by the COVID-19 virus. He would have been a threat in the 100, 200, and long jump this month, but instead turns his attention to his Cornhusker football career, where he will be a preferred walk-on promised a scholarship in year three, if not sooner. The greatest Eagle athletes are the most recent. Fallon Studheit and Ty Hahn are my boy and girl goats for the Johnson Brock High School. Time for the big school of Nemaha County. Maybe the biggest school we've covered since we started this greatest athlete road trip, the Auburn Bulldogs. Auburn was a Class B school for most of its history when Class B was a 64-team class. I always think of this as the Pizza Hut era of Class B. When one could travel to an unfamiliar part of the state and enter a community, and without seeing the population sign or the high school facilities, be pretty sure you were near a Class B school if you saw the familiar red roof of a Pizza Hut. The early 1990s shrinkage of Class B to 32 schools that moved Auburn and many other traditional Bs to C1 ruined that rule of thumb. I checked though, Auburn still does have a pizza hut, though it just has a red facade and not a red roof. <sighs> Mather's pick for Auburn's greatest was Dick Hutton, who graduated in 1943, served in World War II, and then lettered in football at Nebraska three times in 46, 47, and 48. 
He was also a basketball standout in Auburn, playing on the 1942 team that upset regional power Falls City and won districts and regionals and went all the way to the Class B semifinals. Hutton is a great athlete, but there's a lot more great Bulldog history. Let's start with a look at some of the greatest Auburn teams. The discussion of great Bulldog teams is going to start in a sport we haven't mentioned much on this road trip, if at all. Golf. Auburn's first team state title came at the Class B Boys Golf Meet in 1941. The Bulldogs upset favored Lincoln Pius X at the Pioneers course in Lincoln, behind seniors Kurt Kent and David Lamley. Coach Marv Gerdes, who doubled as school principal, was excited to bring home Auburn's first state title trophy. The 1958 football team, the first unbeaten, untied squad in school history, which had wins over three teams that were then in Class A, Nebraska City, Plattsmouth, and Falls City, thought it had a claim to the Class B ratings title, but the newspapers didn't agree, and the Bulldogs finished number four in both papers. Auburn, led by a couple of All-Staters, senior Gary Dalton and junior Kent Wallace, had a few factors working against it. Number one, there were four unbeaten teams in Class B that year, which had wins over Class A squads. Two, Auburn's Exarban and Southeastern Border Conferences didn't have the statewide reputations that state champ Schuyler's Central 10 or runner-up Holdridge's Southwest Conference did. Finally, Auburn didn't even play Exarban co-champ Blair, which was 7-1 and one and would have been a nice feather in the Bulldog cap if they had defeated them. All-Stater Rich Birdsley led another top-ranked Auburn football squad three years later in 1961. Those Bulldogs went 7-1-1, losing only to unbeaten Nebraska City, and also won the Southeast Border League. Ten years later, in 1971, Auburn football went unbeaten again, with All-Stater Steve McIntyre leading the way. Only a mid-season loss to state champ Fairbury kept the Bulldogs out of the top spot in Class B. Auburn boasts a lot of other football All-Staters in the ratings era, beginning with Hermann's Jurgensmeyer in 1931, whom McBride placed on his All-Nebraska second team. Kent Wallace was a consensus picket receiver in 1959, and Byron Orton, another end, matched that in 1967. One of the stars of that golf championship, Kurt Kent, was also an All-State offensive lineman the previous fall in 1970. Auburn struck gold on the cross-country course during the 80s. The Bulldog boys captured the 1980 Class B title, despite not having an individual runner crack the top 10. The Auburn Red Wave, as they were nicknamed, ran as a pack and placed five finishers between 11th and 25th, while winning the title by almost 20 team points. One member of the Red Wave struck individual gold two years later. Brian Clark captured the 1982 individual state title. The Auburn girls put another state cross-country title in the trophy case in 1985 when they used the same formula. Brenda Bollinger was the top bulldog, finishing in 12th place. Still, the other Auburn runners stayed close enough to her to run away with the team title, 19 points ahead of runner-up Norris. The Auburn girls also followed up their team title with an individual gold. In 1989, Teresa Stelling captured the Class B individual title. Teresa Stelling. Do you recognize that name? 
You might if you listened to our episode about Dixon County. She was the mile and two-mile star at Wakefield that we named as one of the two greatest female athletes in Trojan history. Turns out she did that, state mile record, multiple state titles, in just her freshman and sophomore seasons at Wakefield before she moved to Auburn, Nebraska, in Nemaha County. Not sure I would have made that connection if I hadn't randomly picked Nemaha as the follow-up to Dixon County. Stelling not only won state cross-country as a senior, she took straight, uh, took state track meet all-class golds in the 1600 and 3200 as a junior and a senior. She's definitely a nominee to be the girls' all-time GOAT at a second high school. Before we make any final decisions, let's look at more track and field nominees from Auburn. On the girls' side, that means Tierra Williams, who won the long jump as a sophomore, the triple jump and 100 meters as a junior, and won all three of those plus the 200 as a senior. She was the all-class gold medalist in the long jump and triple jump, and her big point haul keyed the Bulldogs' 2013 Class B State Track Championship. I think that championship tilts the scales to Williams, and it doesn't hurt that she was a multiple-time Big Ten Conference champ and All-American at Nebraska. I'm declaring Tierra Williams as the greatest girl athlete in Auburn Bulldog history. On the boys' track side, the first Auburn state champion was Jack Hoagland, who won the Class B mile in 1936. In 1959, Gary Dalton added the state meet long jump championship to his all-state football honors from the fall. The Bulldogs brought home two titles in 1975. Brute Bruce uh, Gleski won the 440, and Dennis Lesser captured the triple jump. Lesser was also an All-State basketball player in 15. In 2005, Anthony Ritten won the 200-meter dash as the capper to his six career state track medals. Auburn's most recent state track champ, uh, Champs are Thomas Henricks in the high hurdles and Alexander Gonsalves in the long jump in 2012. Like their Nemaha neighbors, Johnson Brock, the last 15 years may be the greatest era in Auburn athletics. Kicked off by the 13-0 Class C1 football champs of 2006. The Bulldogs capped the year with a 28-27 double overtime championship win over Valentine at Memorial Stadium. All-Stater Dana Malege threw the winning touchdown pass to Drew Tanner, and the Trent Jones PAT clinched the win. Troy Williams and Zach Palmerton joined Malege on the Class C1 All-State team, while running back Luke Lundy was both All-C1 and All-Nebraska. Auburn Wrestling has produced a... Uh, um, three top five state finishes in school history, and two of them have been in this recent run. The Bulldogs finished third in Class B in 2008, and then riding Joseph Alston state title at 215 pounds, won a runner-up trophy in 2009. No Bulldog wrestler, though, has topped the first Auburn champ, John Wisler, who won state championships twice, at 138 pounds in 1971 and at 145 in 72. The last two years of Auburn high history have belonged to the boys' basketball program. Former Beatrice and Doan College coach Jim Weeks took over the program and led Auburn to back-to-back -to -back C1 state tournament titles. 
sophomore Cam Bender hit the winning three-pointer in the Bulldogs' one-point state title win over North Bend in 2019. He was named All-State in both 19 and 20 and still has a year of eligibility left. Six-foot-eight post Josh Lambert joined him on the 2020 All-State list. The current era may be the greatest team era in Auburn High history, but I think our search for the greatest Bulldog boy athlete would best be focused in the 1990s. In the 1990s, three future Nebraska football lettermen earned multiple All-State honors for Auburn while leading the Bulldogs to seven playoff appearances and three top ten finishes. Quint Hogriff was All-State in 92 and 93 and played special teams for the NU national title team in 97 while Chad Kelsey played for the 1995 National Champs as a freshman and started for the 1997 Huskers. Chad Kelsey was All-State for Auburn in 93 and 94. Chad's younger brother Chris was All-State in 96 and 97 and also started for NU. Both Kelseys received All-Conference and All-American mention for Nebraska and played in the National Football League. Both were also All-State basketball players as well. Chad in 94 and 95, and Chris in 98. Add in Chad's two triple jump state track medals and Chris's two shot put medals, and I think it's obvious that Chad and Chris Kelsey are the two greatest Auburn High Bulldog athletes of all time. And I think that wraps up the high schools of Nemaha County. Next week, we'll head out west again. Until next time, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at SuitUpVarsity. Or check out our newly spruced up webpage at suitingupvarsity.com. Uh, excuse me, suitingupvarsity.org. <laughs> there we have links to the Twitter nominations for the greatest athletes at each Nebraska school, um, a link to our curated list of Nebraska high school sports history films on YouTube, and links to all of our episodes. We hope to hear from you soon. Also, if you like this podcast, Take time to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you find your podcasts. It helps others to find our show. Or share one of our episodes on Twitter or Facebook or other social media. Help Nebraska, other Nebraska sports fans find our podcast. This has been Suiting Up Varsity, Episode 32. Written and produced by me, Greg Mays. Technical and research assistance by my brothers, Tate and Trent Mays. Helpful audio advice and encouragement from Chris Shukai. And as always, dedicated to Jerry Mathers, the godfather of Nebraska high school sports history and the inspiration for this podcast. Sitting on Varsity is the anchor show of the Nebraska Varsity Network. Copyright 2020.